This podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and we wish to pay respects to its elders past and present. I've done a podcast. I don't know how long it's been because time is meaningless. I, it feels like this is coming during the apocalypse. Like this is just like the tape the survivors find. Like I don't know how long I'll have until the zombies knock down the door. Um, I mean, you're in Australia, so it's probably not that far off at this point well probably sooner for me than you (laughs) that's true i mean we my county has a star i think we're gonna go back into lockdown i'm gonna lose my (laughs) then uh Uh, um so hey do you remember me it's (laughs) do you remember courtney it's relic the lost treasure podcast i guess what have I been with the cult of domi- with the cult domesticity? Of, the cult of domesticity. Um, I wanted to do because it's a tradition. I wanted to do a Halloween episode, so I'm going to be doing hopefully two this week. So stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, it's been a while. What have I been up to? Well, um, going crazy, trying to survive. Uh, and ignoring, not ignoring the election. I am very much not ignoring the election. Um, I have also been writing. If you've been looking at my weird fantasy novel stuff that I'm putting on Twitter, check out Arcane Image. I'm doing that. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, cause podcasting is a lot of attention, but hopefully we'll get back to some more regular stuff in, um, 2020. Courtney, uh, is it, it is 2020? 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Time is... Time is a meaningless vacuum. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I love that it's like it's like your morning. I've already worked all day. It's the middle of the night. It's two forty one p.m. on a Sunday, but okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's basically morning. Um, it's fine. <laughs> so you said your county has a star on it, which sounds nice, but in fact, that's how COVID is monitored in. Are you in Ohio? I always forget. Yes. It's Ohio. Okay, I, cool. I, I, well, I mean, you've recorded with me everywhere I've lived. Yes, I have. You're like one of the few. Um, yeah, so Ohio, we have delineated our counties by color. And Hamilton County, where I live, has been red. It's gone back to, like, yellow. It's We've gone back and forth, so we've gone better. But if you have a star on it, it means you're going to go level four, which is a public emergency. So, guys. For COVID send, cases. 
for COVID cases. Okay, yes. I mean, I'm sure everyone knows what we're talking about, but like, yes. presumably, if we get out of this and someone in 2022 is like listening, they're like, "What the hell is this?" I mean, they'll know, yeah. but yeah, man, it's nuts. So, it's nuts, especially because I work in the service industry. So I work at a restaurant, and you know, I deal with the fact that people are getting really comfortable and they don't want to wear masks, and you know. People don't care that you can only have 10 people at a table. They don't get why they can't order at the bar. You know, it's just all the crazy things that you're like, we're still in a pandemic. And I've talked to our bartender who works only on the weekends. He had COVID and like his family is like really impacted and he's still dealing with the after effects of it. So for me, it's just like, are you kidding me? And people's like are so careless that it's giving all of us anxiety like in the service industry because if we get it we don't get paid time off like we work for tips so we get it we screwed this podcast is going to radicalize people and i for one (laughs) i'm interested to see how that goes uh well it is the spooky season not like we're doing anything really with it but it is the spooky season there's so much terrifying stuff that's going on in the world right now that for me like watching because i'm watching horror movies i'm getting in the vibe of it all for me it's been such a vacation being like oh thank goodness ghosts and unstoppable (laughs) serial killers and demons Things that are scary, that it feels like a vacation. It feels like a vacation from like real horror to yeah. like things that are less likely to happen, if at all. I'll take a demon now. Like, just give it. Like, come on. You know, the past couple of years I've had, I'm just like, a demon would be like nice. <laughs> you know, like it's just easier. I don't think they would want to like come up from hell and deal with Earth right now. They're like, you know what? Our job is done. I think they would look at the ship like I've been dealing with and they'll just be like, girl, I don't want to inhabit your body. <laughs> it's full of COVID. You. you have to do what? People are doing what? Nah. Oh. Nah. nah. What's so like what supernatural like kind of horror movie stuff scares you? I don't like possession stuff because I don't want to tempt fate. I'm not saying demons and all that are real. But I don't want to jinx it. Also, I live alone. So, like, knowing me, I'm just going to think I'm paranoid as hell. Like, so, like, poltergeist type things always mess with me. That's why I got so freaked out the first time I watched The Conjuring. Mainly because at that time I was living in the woods. And it was the middle of winter. So when cars would go past, it would, like, do creepy lights on my wall. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So... I that those kind of movies scare the crap out of me. I'm the best person to watch the like 80s horror movies with because I just make fun of them <laughs> so bad. Yeah, I am. Um, for me, what scared me the most as a kid was aliens, like anything related to alien abductions. And I still find it hard to watch horror movies about aliens. So I've never seen Fire in the Sky. Um, never seen that either. Yeah, which is like a really frightening alien abduction scene. Um, I've not seen that. I haven't seen like Wait. the um 
the uh what is it called i think it's just called abducted but it's like this 90s found footage i think it's pre-blair witch to be quite honest uh it's like 90s like found footage thing about like um a family like having a barbecue and like aliens abduct them i haven't seen that that sounds too much that sounds too scary for me but but so possessions didn't really scare me that much like maybe like the exorcist i did find frightening but they didn't like sit with me like it didn't like disturb me or keep me up at night and i think that's mostly because i wasn't raised catholic so we're like either that's the thing i i assume protestant of some flavor Uh, Methodist. well yeah my fam both my parents were my dad was raised catholic my mom was raised catholic light aka lutheran that's my mom that's my mom and dad actually (laughs) you can't tell me it's not catholic light I know the history of the Lutheran Church. It's literally Catholic light. Like, oh, it's Anglican like the Episcopals. History. Like, it's the same yeah. thing. You just took out some things and you changed it a smidge. But it's still basically Catholicism in a different colored robe. You can't tell me differently. Um, but I don't know what about it just freaked me out. I think I've had ghost experiences when I was younger. And that might be why. Have you told me I this? Think, I thought I did, but I can tell you again. So, the first house we lived in was haunted by a family member. Oh, that's awkward. Well, but it makes so family my... it makes Thanksgiving's really convenient, but the rest of the year it's awkward. So, my dad's great uncle designed the development we lived in. At least this is what I was told. And he owned the house and he died in one of the rooms cuz he lived there so long. And then another cousin had lived there, and then my parents bought the house. Well, my sister, like, God, I it was before we moved, and we moved when I, like, I went into fourth grade after we moved. So, like, I don't know, I was, like, nine. And my sister had friends over, and they were all telling these, like, ghost stories, and I got really freaked out. So I run back to my room, which was right next door, and I put myself in the corner on my bed, and then someone patted my shoulder comfortingly, but I was in the corner... So how do you do that? Because I was alone. Oh, that's weird. It was like it was like like behind me. It wasn't like someone reached over. It was like be like they were behind me. Like it's okay. And so naturally, I ran away. And then when we moved, my sister had music lessons still in that town, which was like twenty minutes away, twenty thirty minutes away from where we moved. And we hadn't finished moving out, and my mom was like, just take your homework, go sit in the house, and, like, do your homework. So I'm sitting, like, on the first floor by myself, and I'm probably, like, 10, 11, doing my homework, whatever. And all of a sudden, someone's walking upstairs. I'm alone in this whole house. Like, no one's living in there. Like, the new people haven't started to move in. We haven't completely moved out. And someone's walking around upstairs. So what did I do but nope out of the house? And my mom got so mad at me because she came back. Like, she dropped my sister off at her music lesson, which was, like, five minutes away. And she came back. And I'm standing in the driveway. Like, I refuse to go back in the house. I believe she spanked me for it, if I remember correctly. That's so messed up. That's such, like, the horror movie, like, parent thing to do. Like, like well, first of all, your mom hitting you. I'm not going to, like, delve into, like. It was, I mean, like, it wasn't, like, hard, but we live somewhere like i could have been abducted like i get it she was like mad at me for like leaving the house because 
something else could have happened. But see, like, if I was a parent, and I like to think my mom would do this too, is, like, if, like, they came back and they saw their kid freaked out in the driveway, my first instinct is, like, something's wrong. Not just, like, they're just misbehaving or, like, you know, goofing off. I would think something's wrong. And I would not interrogate them, but I'd ask them. And if they had reason to believe that someone was in the house, I would probably check the house and then I wouldn't be like, oh, it's just your imagination. I'd be like, you definitely heard something. I don't know what it is, but it was clearly enough to freak you out. And then we would work it through there. But I don't she to start to like just like one up your mom. Like, screw you, Courtney's mom. I'm the parent now. But <laughs> well, my mom's also a very pragmatic person. Like she's a scientist. Like she's very much that way. She she did tell me. I, I think she tried to calm me down, be like, like once she like. I think she was more just freaked out that I was, like, in the driveway, like, especially because I was home by my, I was there by myself. She didn't know if the neighbors were there. Like, we had a really good neighbor, like, neighborhood. So I think it was a little bit she was freaked out that I was standing outside and, like, she was like, I told you to be in the house. Like, you have to stay in the house. But she said when they first moved in, and she could have just been telling this to, like, unfreak me out. She said she heard someone walking around, too, when she was home alone. She goes, I think he's just checking on the house. Like, I think that's all it is. But, okay, cool. You leave your child there? Still? (laughs) Your your dead uncle will watch you. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Which, I had never met him. I don't think my mom had. I don't know, like, what extent. But it was just like... You could have just, like, dropped me off at one of the neighbors. Because we're still clo- really close to one of them. Like, but I was just, like, it freaked me out. So I'm always that person. I'm, like, I I want to hope there's, like, like I've had experiences. But I'm also still very pragmatic about it. I'm, like, you know, yes, it could be, like, your neighbors in the apartment. It could be the house settling. But it could be something else. Mm. And until you prove it, like... Keep keep your mind open, but keep yourself aware. So, if, like, for demons for me, I'm like, how do you even fight that? Like, like that's why it freaks me out because it, like, you can't defend yourself against it. Like, if they pick you, they pick you. Well, I think for me, I always understood that it was like you had, I mean, as with all things old world and supernatural, there's kind of like the you have to invite it in theory so i always thought that it was like if you you know messed with something magical like a ouija board like that's that's what invites it in because it like creates a quote-unquote portal and you know whenever i've done because i i do like to think i'm a pragmatic person as well but i've read tarot cards and one of the things that i always do is um, cause, and again, it's just like, first of all, I'm, you know, I'm using this kind of sort of as a psychological tool and not a supernatural tool. But one of the things I always do out of superstition is that before I do a reading, I kind of close my eyes and picture like white light, like bright, like a really positive thing. Cause that's supposed to supposedly keep the bad juju out. Cause it won't want to come in if like, it can't come in if it's like this sort of luminous positive setting i i will say if i feel uncomfortable i do even though 
Methodist, we don't do the like the cro- crossing of the Trinity like you know like Catholics do. But I always learned that from my like great aunt and uncle who are like su- who my great uncle was super Catholic, my great aunt super Catholic. But I do like I think of like that kind of positivity and I like cross myself and just like especially if I feel uncomfortable, like it's comforting. It's weird cuz I never did it in church, but like when we were over there and they would eat, like I know how to do a proper crossing on myself, which people freaks people out. They're like, "You've never been Catholic." And I'm like, "Super Catholic relatives, thanks for asking." <laughs> Eastern European, you're welcome. Oh, yeah. Um, I've never seen a ghost. I've always wanted to see one. I think that would actually be kind of comforting for me. But I, I, like, I've had some weird experiences that are like, I don't know if they could be classified as supernatural, but they are odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, mine wasn't like seeing it. It was very much sensory, like where you knew you weren't alone. And, like, the touching thing was really what freaked me out. Because, like, if you're sitting in a corner on your bed and someone touches your shoulder from, like, behind you. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> that gives me a chill. And, like, the thing was my parents' closet was on the other side of my wall. So, like, it it could have worked, like, that way. The new house we're in is fine. Um, but it's just always like that i did we did my friend and i did buy a ouija board at toys r us r.i.p um <laughs> and we did do a ouija board session in my basement but we like surrounded ourselves with can- like we did a circle of candles and we like opened and closed it properly and tried to do everything but after that i was just like freaked out but i think that was just because i was like what if i like brought a demon into my house well i mean it puts yourself in the mindset of something so I get it. I thought about that afterwards. Like, afterwards, we're like, oh, that was probably, like, because we were, like, 15. And we're like, that's probably pretty dumb. We probably shouldn't have done that. Because we had to go to the store ourselves to buy the Ouija board. I think it was on sale. (laughs) (laughs) Which, does a discount Ouija board work any less? (laughs) Um, So, in keeping with the theme of creepy, eerie stuff... Today, we're going to share four short news items in the archaeological scene that are relevant to the spooky time. Um, Yes. Courtney, I forget. Am I going first or are you going first? I'll go first. Okay. Lay it on me. So the title of the article I found was British Museum to Repatriate Ancient Tiles Smuggled into the UK in a Suitcase. Definitely seemed like something negative juju comes into it, which is the entire British museum. (laughs) But that's, I mean, half the things in the British museum are stolen. So yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Um, Another time. So talk to me about this. So they are six glazed tiles from a medieval memorial complex on the edge of Samarkand, which were brought into Heathrow in a suitcase. Wait, Samarkand or Samarkand? Wait, what? Samark. Oh, Samarkand. Okay, yeah, that's like an ancient city. Yeah. Yeah, in Uzbekistan. Okay. I dated. I dated someone from there. Actually, (laughs) didn't realize that when I picked this. Um, so the gentleman who smuggled them in on a flight from Dubai, and like this is this year in January, forged paperwork, like declaring them as replicas that were made to look old. 
he had paperwork that said they had been bought in Shahara the previous day for 315 Durham or about 70 pounds. Actually, they're worth many, like tens of thousands of pounds and are really significant to the country of Uzbekistan. They're very attractive, very collectible, and you would see why they would track criminal elements, said senior curator in the British Museum's Middle East Department, St. John Simpson. And I'm like, that has to be haunted. Like, you have to have a curse. Like, you're taking things from its original site. They were confiscated by the UK border force. And, you know, they go to the museum to establish their, basically, their significance and their genuine nature. And as most people who probably listen to Relic and the Cult of Domesticity know, there's a big problem, especially with the steppes and Middle East right now with smuggling of antiquities. There's the whole case, which, Max, will we need to cover with... uh. Hobby Lobby, the owners of Hobby Lobby, smuggling millions so of dollars messed. of antiquities. Uh, how have they not been punished Out. for it yet? Or, or, or is that happening? Oh, I don't know if they've been punished, but my favorite was they also got in trouble during COVID because they reopened because they said they were in, like necessary. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Did you see that? No, yeah, but I'm not surprised. Like... Um, so these tiles were dated between the end of the 13th, mid 14th century, which is under the Khanate under Changtai Khan, the second son of Chinggis or Genghis Khan. So just imagine the energy these tiles have from that period. They have three colors of glaze, white, turquoise, and cobalt blue, which, I mean, the fact they have cobalt blue, it's a hard color to come upon. And each has a Kuranic inscriptions but with only one complete inscription so islamic kind like islamic islam doesn't like the representation of people so they would there's a lot of like inscriptions of the quran and like images of like flowers and stuff Mm -hmm. so that shows like that's even more like tempting fate on this that makes it spooky and they are confirmed to come from the Shahi Zined Memorial Complex. So, memorial complex. So, they took him from a grave complex kind of deal. So, how, who takes from grave sites? That's just... That Tempting kind of fate. Right? Like, so many... Like, anytime they do that, you're just like... Mm. But they do know when they did excavations and restoration work between 1996 and 2000... A number of the glazed artifacts uh, were found and then unaccounted for. So, mm. hmm. I did like this. They were like, "Okay, we're gonna exhibit these tiles in at the British Museum in December for two or three months, and then repatriate them back to Uzbekistan." So. Interestingly, I just love this because I find the antiquity smuggling interesting and fascinating. Uh, The curator Simpson said, most antiquity is smuggled in freight crates, not suitcases. Quote, I think the brazen nature of it really illustrates the scale of the crime. They thought they could get away with it. 
Whether they have in the past is impossible to know, but every seizure like this sends a very strong message to criminals and to the criminals and the mules. Crime doesn't pay in this case, end quote. And I was just like, yeah, especially because you're taking from grave sites, so you you don't know what's attached to that. And in a suitcase, you're going to keep that with you at all times. You're just asking to be haunted. Yeah. I wonder if there's been any stories related to that. So did they send the tiles back? They're going to, so the plan is they're going to have an exhibit in December. Cause I think they're going to like, they have to make sure they're like the, the structure of it is okay still. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause again, these things are hundreds of years old and you put them in a suitcase. We all know how, people baggage handlers handle suitcases not on their own like they have a hard job you know like they have to make sure everybody's suitcases get to where they're going but still they probably got roughed up a little bit so they're probably like doing some restoration work and stuff so for a couple months after december they're going to be at the british museum and then they're going to repatriate them back to uzbekistan which if it's like the uh con era like there's a lot of bloodshed it's a very interesting era just for like the with the Mongols, but still like we don't know I, I mean I personally don't know a lot about that and I'm like, you know, this memorial could like taking away from it could unleash some curses or some negative activity and so this exhibit could be even haunted until they get it back because I know, we both love Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Our archaeological boyfriend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he says, like, they don't reveal Khan's burial site because it, like, it's, like, it could unleash things, like, as well. So, you Wait, take Genghis Khan? Yeah, Genghis Khan, yeah. Oh, I did a, I did a Relic episode on his lost tomb, and no one really knows where it is anyway. I think there are some people that know where it is. That's, like, my theory. Like, locals. Like, oh. like it's been pa- You know, like, it's passed down from family member to family member? Uh-huh. That kind of deal? Like, you know, in The Mummy where they had those, like, that certain group that protected the site? Yeah. I I think there are, there's a small group of people that know, and that's their family honor to protect his burial site. Uh-huh. But imagine if you found that because when they when they did their archaeological dig, they put everything back, because it's like that's how their culture is. And I'm like, this, these people took away from that for a memorial. Like that's just uh, you don't know what you like. Put that thing back where it came from. Put it back. Put it back. <laughs> no rich white person needs that. No. <laughs> I know that, like, with the tomb of the first emperor of China, they can't open it because of the fear of the mercury gas that's in there. That's accumulated because they, they, there's supposedly, like, rivers of mercury that are in the tomb. Um, and they've never opened it. I also just think it's really hard to, if they were to open it, it would probably destroy everything inside. Like, the air would cause a collapse. I don't know. I'm not an archaeologist, but. You should talk to Shay from All Crime, No Cattle. He is. 
He does digs. Oh, does he? That's his job, yeah. Oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah, they both did anthropology. Oh, neat. Neat. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's spooky. Um, I have something right? creepy. <laughs> like, like taking, taking, like smuggling something. It's, it's so uh, the curse of Tutankhamun's yeah. like, tomb, like level spooky where you took some things and you're just like, shouldn't have taken it. So mine is, we're going to move from... Well, I guess we're still in England. I was going to say Uzbekistan, but um, this is in, <laughs> this is in Stoke Mandeville, England. Uh, this article comes to us from the Smithsonian, and it's written by Isis Davis, Isis Davis Marks. So in England right now, there's this high-speed railway project currently underway. And because England is so archaeologically rich, there's a lot of effort to make sure that nothing of historical or cultural significance is going to be destroyed in the groundwork for this high speed rail. So Do you know why? Do, do you know why they have so many like they they do that? Because it's there's just so much archaeological stuff everywhere? No, actually, during the blitz, so many things popped up because of the bombing. Yes. That they deter- That's why they they always you'll see anytime they do it they'll they make sure to preserve it. So Thank you, Nazis. <laughs> um, is that a soundbite you really want to have, Courtney? Uh, um, how many soundbites do you know that I have that probably have stopped me from getting jobs? <laughs> several. There are several. But, I mean, it's one good thing we could say that the British learned after getting attacked by the Nazis. So thank you-ish. Well, this was the case. What you just mentioned is, in fact, the case with St. Mary's Church. St. Mary's was built in, in 1070 as a private chapel for one of the families living on the land. I'm going to assume like a very rich, like a noble family. Uh, yeah. It's been excavated before. In order to properly excavate the area without harming like doing structural damage to the church, it had to be disassembled carefully and put back together again, which I would love to see the time lapse of that. Uh, it's like the um, in New York, they have in New York City, they have the Egyptian temple that they deconstructed in Egypt and they put back in the Met. Oh, that's right. Um, speaking of curses, anyways, this is so this <laughs> this was done with this project and what archaeologists unearthed was interesting. So. They're in the church and they dig up these stones or like these pieces of the foundation. And on these stones are these really weird, I guess they're described as eerie. They're engravings. They kind of look like wheels, like really crude wheels with like spokes in the middle. And these carvings are actually called witches marks and they appear throughout history, especially British history. And it's believed that people made these marks to ward away spirits or witches. And they appear all over England in old foundations or barns, usually near points of entry, such as doorways, windows, fireplaces, places where a witch could pop up, I guess. Do you think the witches are popping in through the fireplace? Well, I mean, like, also, we know that like witches are just like practitioners of paganism and they tend not to just, you know, burst through the woodwork. Uh so the the thing about these marks is they're not they're not like deliberate parts of the building. So you know how say Notre Dame has that beautiful carved facade at the doorway, right? 
with all the gargoyles uh yes. and like you know sometimes they put like biblical verses in churches like they carve things into the stone well these show up as graffiti so they're like put there after the fact uh the most common variety of which mark is this sort of flower pattern that looks like six so picture six flower petals inside a circle some okay. think that this is actually a pagan system, uh, symbol, which is weird because that's already tied to witchcraft, but it's used to ward away witchcraft. Um, these symbols have usually been carved during times when there's been witch panic or paranoia, when those elements were kind of prevalent in England. Um, and despite the fact that this flower symbol appears often as a witch mark, no one really knows what it means, which I think is kind of creepy. They just kept that's, carving yeah. it. Is, do you think it's like good witches trying to get rid of bad witches? Do you know, that's actually – so there, what's tough about that is that the idea of when witches are persecuted versus when people suspected witches aren't throughout history is really weird. And there's often been like the acceptance of the quote-unquote white witch – so like yes. like good witches which are like okay because they're so they're like members of the community that they they know are like safe but you know it only takes the pendulum to swing in another way to like decide like if they're not safe so that's what's interesting like, about that and it doesn't say wives and healers yeah versus, midwives healers like, all of a sudden we see the switch in the late 18th early 19th century to male doctors all of a sudden you don't need to get rid of old knowledge and stuff like that yeah yeah it's very weird and they don't really specify like the identities making these symbols it just from what i gather it's just freaked out people who feel the need to to draw them but you bring up the idea that like maybe it's a member of the community who's like a good witch or someone who has knowledge of magic who's or folk you know folklore who's putting these signs against the doors who knows that's actually a really good point uh they're known all these symbols which are called witch marks are also known as uh apatropaic marks which is it's a greek word meaning to ward off and their their symbols or patterns which are usually put into the fabrics like like it's the fab this is the fabric of a building is the article i got it from but i assume that means like either tapestries or like wall hangings or just like wallpaper um actually it could mean like fabric in like construction oh so it would yeah be, like the wall the wood and all that because like if you want to talk about the fabric of a building it's like what do you fabricate it out of you have wood you have stone concrete so if you put it into the structure of the building, it's going to protect the building. Isn't that kind of an idea? Like you put, like if you put something that corrupt the foundation, it's going to corrupt the whole building. So if you put something good into the like fabric of the building, it's going to protect the whole building. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. So they found these marks of the church and they are prevalent throughout history. And we still don't know a lot about them like where the actual symbology comes into play there's one idea especially in the mark that they found in saint mary's that kind of looks like spokes almost like chinese checkers is like what i thought when i was looking at it which it doesn't really <laughs> look like that but uh are like pegs in a board and the idea is that spirits would see them and get like trapped on like the lines like in the maze it's very weird i want 
I wonder, just because I've been watching a lot of Supernatural, the TV show, in this spooky season, I wonder if it's kind of like, you know how they like they have that demon catcher thing like that they write into it, so it kind of catches them. It's a little bit of Latin and all that. Where it, It's a bit like that, I bet. It's like, it. it's a visual representation of a dream catcher slash demon catcher. Yeah, something like that. Uh, anyways, what's your what's your other story? So, I'm sure we all heard about this news. And I have two articles for this, but Egypt displays 59 ancient coffins recently discovered near pyramids. What a great year. What a fantastic year to unearth an Egyptian tomb. I couldn't think of a better year to do it. It's it's such a great year. We're all going to die. Or maybe it's That's the best year. Maybe it's the best year because like all like the, the ghost mummies are like looking at 2020 being like, I mean, what good. more could we do at this point? Like they're already like they have their hands full. There's a, they've got the plague covered. They've got fires. Like what could we do? I, I don't know. What were the three curses that they did for Moses? Moses, they had the plague. There were 12, weren't there? There are 12 plagues. So we had the murder hornets, which I just saw that they found nests in Washington State. So thank God I moved. Um, so we had the murder hornets. We have COVID. Wildfires. Wildfires. I feel like there were more, but I just blacked out all of the... We admitted aliens were real. Did that happen? Did I forget about that? <laughs> we forgot we we did like the military was like yeah there's ufos and everyone's like cool yeah whatever cool. anyways uh <laughs> something else happened like the no it was like the same day trump did something and everybody was like what the hell please tweet what you think the 12 plagues of 2020 are no more i'm so tired I'm so tired. It's affecting my podcasting. I can't do it anymore. So we found some we found some new mummies. A yes. lot of them. Oh yes. So many. So many freaking freaking mummies. mummies. So many freaking mummies. I think we have an episode Which, title. So many freaking money mummies. Um, so the first batch was actually discovered the month before in near perfect condition because of the protective seal that preserved them in, which is <laughs> no. not how I don't want to go that way. We've already discussed. I want to be a tree that way I can give back to the earth. Wait, protective seal as in like it was sealed with wax or it was like a, like a witch mark, like a seal, like a spiritual seal. It just says uh, perfect seal. So I'm going to guess the so the actual sarcophagi were perfectly sealed. So like a wax seal around it. And that's according to Rutgers. So, so they found, you know, the first batch. And then another 30 sarcophagi were discovered in October in Luxor. And the plan is to study the contents and then display them at the Grand... Egyptian museum being built near the pyramids of Giza. Again, that's so many people to disturb. That has like, do we know who they are? They didn't announce if like who they were. And this is like, they, it it is the Sokara site. 
So there's at least 11 pyramids. It is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, in case you were wondering. So, and it is near the ancient Egyptian capital of Memphis, which, so, it's, again, Pyramids of Giza kind of deal. When you said ancient, sorry, in your UNESCO World Heritage Site, my eyes just happened to fall on a pin, on, like, a like an enamel pin on my billboard of Edinburgh Castle, which I'm pretty sure is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. I believe it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... They were preserved and sealed in wooden coffins, buried more than 2,500 years ago, so just a bit ago, and they actually, this, I'm sorry, when I read some of these, I'm just like, how is this not a supernatural episode where all of a sudden, like, a demon comes out or something like that? Uh, They opened one of the ornately decorated sarcophagi before assembled media. And all of their faces melted off. Right? Like, that's what I expect the next line to be. Or one of the one of the reporters chugged the ju- the weird juice that came out of the sarcophagi. Like, something like that. And, like, melted inside. Um, so, what it did reveal was the mummified remains wrapped in burial cloth that bore hieroglyphic, hieroglyphic inscriptions in bright colors. So, that's how well everything was, like, preserved. Wow. Right? Like, if... People don't realize hieroglyphics and, like, temples were brightly painted. Like, even... Um, so were the statues and... in uh, in Greece. Like, the ancient statues yes. were all painted. Yeah. So they weren't white. So the fact that we still have the colors is crazy. Um, they had announced the first 13 coffins three weeks before, and they were discovered in a deep shaft up to 12 meters or 40 feet deep. They don't know how many more coffins are in there. And no. Again, stop. 2020 is bad enough. Just stop. Don't touch it. Maybe like document it and then just back. It's like um, we'll have to cover it. There's a video where someone put they got like a remote control car and they with a camera and they put it into a tomb in egypt oh i'd be afraid something for like popping up in front of the camera like a creepy like mummy face like bah. i'll have to find it for you like no there's like someone walking around mm. i feel like you're gonna get a plague with for every coffin <laughs> on earth you get a new plague right um yeah it's near so okay so the site is near the four thousand seven hundred year old pyramid of dozier so like one of the first pyramids that they had built. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Oh, it's no. like an old curse. Those are the worst ones because they're weird. Mm-hmm. They have the excavations at Saqqara has also unearthed troves of artifacts like mummified snakes, birds, scarabs, beetles, and other animals. I'm like, again. But because like this is the first time they've announced stuff because they did shut down um, a lot of like the museums and archaeological sites for three months because of COVID. So they were like, yeah, let's not. Uh, Don't give the mummies okay. COVID. Don't give. <laughs> Could you imagine you've been asleep for 3,000 years and you wake up and get COVID? <laughs> <laughs> well, this sucks. I, 
Well, I mean, your lungs are already, like, shot, so I guess, okay. Is it better, then? I don't know. Uh, preliminary studies indicate the sarcophagi be- likely belong belong to belong to priests, senior statesmen. I'm sorry, the priests one. I'm like, no, those guys definitely have fucking curses on their absolutely bodies. Senior statesmen, prominent figures in ancient Egypt society of the 26th dynasty, according to Al Anani. Again, all of those have to be fucking cursed. <laughs> Oh, my whiskey hidden, like, with a vengeance right now. I feel it. Uh, um, it's the curse. It's the curse of the whiskey. Um, yeah, so the exhibit they're going to put forth are going to have these mummies facing the other 32 other sealed sarcophagi for the priests from the 22nd Dynasty found last year in... Uh, Luxor. I'm just like, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. How cursed is this museum? Do you think people, like, you know when people go to certain haunted sites, you're just like, yeah, we all just leave at night. Like, no one stays. Like, I'm all, I love history and all that. But I would be, like, there were certain times when I was in places, I would just be like, no, I'm good. What were some of the places? Well, I would where I worked in Washington State, we had uh, bunkers and stuff. And granted, they were never really used, but I was still like, yeah, I don't. It's just it's creepy. It's also you're like in the woods, and there's like wild animals. Plus, there could be homeless people, and like I'm just like, nah. I had to go clean interpretation signage so you know when you go to museums or you like have they have all those signs so i had to go clean one and i went up and i was like oh this is really cool and then you go a little bit and you go i'm by myself here yeah no the only way you have contact is through a radio because there's no cell reception and you just go yeah, no, I'm not tempting fate today. Yeah, that's you don't know what's hiding in there. Um, also, it's it's isolated. There could have been murders. There could have been like the fear was on that coast, like Japanese attacks and all of that. I'm like, no, thank you, goodbye. Also, how much settler versus native population plus all the shipwrecks? No, not <laughs> no, no, no. Um. So the the mummies, I think my favorite anecdote that I've learned recently about the plagues of Moses was that the translation of the plague of frogs is actually incorrect. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Where it's like, it wasn't frogs. It was. So it was frog. So it, it basically was like, and on this day came the frogs, but I guess Jewish historians or Talmudic historians are like, it actually says on this day came the frog. As in, like, a singular frog. And they're like, and then it, like, just goes into the next plague. And so you're just like, I'm sorry, wait a minute. I need a little bit more elaboration. And, like, the subtext is that there was just some sort of giant kaiju frog just running around Egypt, (laughs) destroying things. Is this, like, would you rather fight a hundred 
duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck situation. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think at that point, like, Moses was like, and now we'll give them something different. You weren't expecting this. You weren't expecting this giant frog to come up the Nile. Surprise! It's a, what is... It's like a kaiju. I don't know what that is. A kaiju is a... It's a... Godzilla is a kaiju. Mothra is a kaiju. It's a giant monster. It's the Japanese word for giant monster. Would you be afraid of a giant frog, though? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely, I would. It's a very fitting plague. I'm not going to diss it. I'm not going to lie. It would freak you out because they have that giant tongue. Yeah. You could just, like, eat a whole pyramid if you were a giant frog. Uh, So I'm going to bring it to a close. We're going to move from Egypt to Rome. And this is an article from The Guardian by Angela Jufrida. And again, it's also recent. It's oh, I didn't see the other one. I meant to say that the first story I did, that was a recent article. This one's also pretty recent. They're both from October. So we begin a very long time ago. In the summer of early in this in the summer or early autumn of 79 AD, a series of earthquakes occurred in the area we would recognize today as Naples in Italy, which was back then part of the Roman Empire. These earthquakes were largely ignored because they were common in the region of the world. They precipitated the massive eruption of Mount Vesuvius. The exact date is hard to pin down because of the shift in the Gregorian calendar, but it's believed the eruption occurred around October 17th or November 17th, and it virtually destroyed several cities in the area, uh, most famously the cities of Herculaneum and most famously Pompeii. I said most famously twice. We're going to leave it in. I don't feel like editing it. Uh, the only eyewitness testimony we still have about this day is from Pliny the Elder, who happened to be living in a town across the bay. He said the explosion occurred around 1 p.m. and it released a massive amount of extremely hot. Um, he didn't say this, but we know it. Uh, he 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 said it occurred around 1 p.m. We know that the explosion released a massive amount of extremely hot ash and gas, molten. <laughs> I wrote moment rock. I presume I was very tired when I wrote this. I presume moment rock is molten rock, but who knows? Um, scientists estimate the explosion was a hundred thousand times stronger than the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, the eruption lasted for two days. According to Dr. Who, this event spawned the term volcano. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, because the city of Palm. <laughs> I do not feel like Googling if that actually is where we got the word volcano. I'm just going to take Doctor Who's word for it. Because the city of Pompeii was Wait, buried... wait, wait. The question, which doctor? Wait, was it... Uh, it was... David Tennant? It was David Tennant? That's a tricky question to answer. So it was David Tennant, but it was in the episode where he... So he saved... Spoilers. It was years ago. He saves a family from... Uh, a Pompeian family from Vesuvius and the father is the one who says this is so volcanic it's like a volcano it's a dumb line the father of that family is Peter Capaldi who goes on to play the 12th doctor doctor and in fact they tried to justify that narratively as that was the 
because the doctor saved one family, that's the promise he made to himself. So he took the face of what sounds creepier than it actually is. He took the face that <laughs> he met Well, metaphysically he, he, took he the had... face. He designed his next regeneration off the face of Kytelis, who is the name. I'm such a nerd. Who's the name of the father of the Pompey family. He saved that day. I, does that make I sense? Always. Yes. It, I love it just because I was like, I remember that's one of the weird episodes. Cause um, there are two actors in that episode who go on and play significant You're right, because Karen Gillan K- Karen plays Gillen the temple priestess before she plays Amy Pond, who, of course, is the, is the 11th Doctor's main companion throughout his run. I wow. need to catch up, but they've adopted, like, they, they move forward, they show Doctor Who here, and I'm cheap. I think they're all I don't know where they are so in Australia they're on like one you can watch all of the 2005 to modern doctors on just like a streaming service they have here called Stan I don't know if they have I think it's on Amazon or something actually is it Britbox no it's it's all a mess I don't know where you can find the old doctor it's all a mess because we're not in the commonwealth it's fine (laughs) so you haven't seen any of the 12 the new the new doctor uh the 12th sorry the 13th one lady doctor i have not i because my life got chaotic during the peter capaldi run run yeah i saw i've seen his first season most of his first season that's not even his good season though it's the next one that's like really okay we're getting way off topic as (laughs) i just realized people are like why am i listening to a doctor who podcast anyways pompeii we should start a Doctor Who podcast, but that's another. <laughs> Pompeii remained mostly undiscovered for centuries after it was buried by Vesuvius, minus the occasional accidental and earthings here or there. It remained mostly unknown to the advent of modern archaeology. For many years, the ruins of Pompeii have functioned as a highly visited tourist site. A major challenge facing conservationists is that tourists frequently will take tiles, why always the tiles, or stones from the foundations of the ruins. And this is exactly what a 36-year-old Canadian woman known only as Nicole did 15 years ago. While touring the ruins, she decided that she wanted to take home, quote-unquote, a piece of history. And between then and now, her life has been plagued by disasters that she attributes to a curse laid on the artifacts by the vengeful spirits, vengeful spirits of the Vesuvian eruption. Nicole's misfortunes included surviving breast cancer twice, as well as financial hardships. She feared that she would pass the curse on to her children, so she decided to write a letter of apology and include it in a package containing the stolen artifacts, which she mailed to a travel agent in Pompeii, all in the hopes of breaking the curse. She is not alone in this, as apparently the Pompeii park officials have created a museum that houses all the return artifacts and letters of repentance 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 from people all over the world who believe they've been cursed by the ghosts of pompeii i'm sorry i do know someone who did that for uh the great wall of china i was just like why do you think this is a good idea? It's not Don't a good t- idea. It's also, it's, I'd be more afraid. I wouldn't be so afraid of ghosts. I'd be afraid I'd get stopped at like 
the Italian border air by the, at the airport Just by give the him Italian a border of wine. It's fine, <laughs> probably. My, but my thought is okay. There's a lot of negative energy. Well, that's what they said in the article. Like, so my friend who did like the Great Wall of China, he's like, yeah, like it was like fine. And I'm still like, first of all, people died. I'm pretty sure there's people buried in the Great Wall of China. Yes. Have you covered that yet? No, I haven't. Oh, I should come on and cover that for you because, like, I think you would appreciate that. But yeah, there's like there in that one. There's people buried in there. People died building it. Pompeii. It's a natural disaster. Would you go to like a monument for Hurricane Katrina and do the same thing? Like, no. First of all, definitely haunted by all that negative energy and all those people who died in mysterious ways. Don't do it. Stop taking stuff from historic sites. Also, you're destroying historic sites. Yeah. Oh, it pisses me. It, yeah. They deserve the curses. But I hope Nicole's okay, though, because it sounds like she did. And at the end of the day, she did the right thing. Yes. Do the right thing. Send it back. Yeah. Send that thing back to where it came from or so help me. me. So help me. <laughs> well, that's the episode how do we feel i feel great but that might just be the whiskey um <laughs> i want to get on your level but it's no, it's not happening tonight i'm having a um, halloween uh dinner this upcoming thursday and it'll be the first time in a while that so on the medication i'm on i i can't really drink one glass um, is one glass a month is okay there's also kind of like the unofficial, well, as your doctor, I can't tell you you're supposed to drink, but if you have to, this is how you do it safely. That's what we call mitigation of risk in social work. Um, so I'm looking forward because I'm making a, I'm making zombie, like the punch, like a zombie. Have you ever had the tiki Ooh. drink of zombie? So I'm making a punch version of that, yeah. like a, and it's very strong. So I'm going to make that for all my guests. Um and they're Australian, so they're used to like a slow burn. But my, whenever I've had a Halloween party, I've always made the most potent punches you will ever have because I just don't realize my own mixological strength. And they're sweet, so you don't taste it. But they have things in like they've traditionally had absinthe in it. Ooh. So yeah, I can't wait to I see what just... I did. <laughs> just destroy my friends. Anyways, I have to work on halloween um i on but, me too on the night proper but we're gonna do a little thing at work my plan is to just wear my beautiful horns i know you've seen pictures of them. oh the maleficent horns are fantastic yes i do want to make more crowns because i've watched uh people do it and i'm like oh i could do this i just need a hot glue gun and i don't have feeling in my fingertips i think anymore so it's fine um but I want to make more crowns, but I also just got black lipstick, which Ooh. no one will see with a mask, but that's oh. fine. I'll still wear it for my joy. Yeah, um, do it. But yeah, I don't know what I'm doing Halloween because who knows? Maybe everything will be shut down. Who's to say? I'm going to at least watch spooky shit and get drunk by myself. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be and. It'll be the last hurrah before the election. Oh, God. I forgot about that. Uh, and I'm in a swing state. Are you getting texts? 
Are you going to I can't. I'm in Australia. I've already sent my ballot. So, yes, Relic listeners, I'm responsible. I sent my ballot last month. I've already done that. I'm in a swing state. I legitimately get two text messages a day. And that might just be because um, my phone number is really close to my brother's. I have my dad, like my dad's numbers changed, but I have his old number. So I've had almost every member of my immediate family, except for my mother, like get text messages for them. Jeez. Well, on that lovely note, is there anything (laughs) you want to plug? Uh, I figure we'll, because we're both sharing this, you know, listen to the cult of domesticity. It's history and true crime. Uh, Lots of spooky stories for Halloween. We have a lot of Victorian ghost stories. So there are different kind of ghost stories. If you like a slow burn, definitely check them out. Um, Yeah, that's it. Yep, the Rebrelic, the Lost Treasure podcast, if you happen to be listening on the cult of domesticity side of things. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Lost Treasure Pod. Um, I'm also writing fantasy stuff these days because that's what happens in quarantine. So you could check that out as well on my Twitter. I've got links to everything. But yeah, have a happy, safe Halloween, everyone. And make it spooky, even if you have to stay at home. <laughs>